0: Welcome, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good day so far. Uh, Today is October the 16th, 2020. You may have already seen this. I covered it a bit, although I wanted to have a more focused stream on it with audience participation in this episode. And uh, we will save some of the audience participation for, you know, the extended version on other platforms. But uh, for the YouTube uh, portion, I've got to be... Uh, squeaky clean, apparently, and I'm going to show you why that's the case. Uh, oh, okay. I was thinking I had to swap out the the thumbnail, but that thumbnail from yesterday is pretty good. But I'll bring in today's thumbnail as well. And a shout-out to everybody joining us live on YouTube, DLive, Twitch, Periscope, and to all the people listening back on uh, lots of different video sites, BitChute, Brightian, um, LBRY. And uh, then all the podcast all the podcast listeners as well. So I'm trying to get out on every single channel uh, the work that we're doing over here. And uh, let me just find this image and then we'll get started. Here we go. Perfect. All right, so here's the screen. Uh, this is what Reuters put out yesterday, October the 15th. YouTube bans conspiracy theory content targeting individuals or groups. Now, in a bizarrely short story, they just say that um, YouTube has come out yesterday uh, and announced that they are banning content that targets an individual or a group using conspiracy theories, such as QAnon or Pizzagate. So conspiracy theories such as QAnon or Pizzagate, so are these just some examples of of the types of conspiracy theories that they're going after in the in the future, I mean there there are some. I mean, if somebody told me conspiracy theories like QAnon or Pizzagate, if I trusted them as a person, um, I would be like, okay, I know what you're talking about. I don't think they should be banned, but we can at least discuss those those theories because you know there is some overlap between QAnon and Pizzagate, um, as opposed to say the Moon Mission hoax or some some other theories, um, but. I don't trust YouTube, and I don't trust their PR teams, so when they come out and they say conspiracy theories such as QAnon or Pizzagate, I'm like, oh, shoot. So anything that questions the establishment is on the chopping block. And uh, we've already seen them push authoritative content when people are looking for information. They they come out and say that. They brag about it. They brag about how they've reduced um, people watching what they call controversial content, which is... a uh, which was the reason I was cited with it being demonetized a few months back. I think it was like three months ago. I've been completely demonetized on YouTube. They said harmful content. Um, what what did I just say? They they had another phrase for it, harmful, and uh, what they're using now is they're calling it bullying. They're saying everybody is a uh, a bully, and bullying's not allowed. So it's just bizarre. I want to make one connection or one correction. I can't even say the word right. It's funny. Um, I said yesterday that there was this pattern between most of the people that were censored. They they were being QAnon and Trump, uh, heavy Trump supporters. But and also like people looking into, uh, you know, pedophilia rings and stuff. People just like conspiracy theorizing in, in that type of uh, realm But uh, I want to clarify that World Alternative Media is uh, not like a a QAnon uh, channel at all. So, uh, this was one that I think was a huge loss to the community. World Alternative Media is Josh Sigurdsson's channel and his his organization. Uh, They do great work. Like, the last video they did was this uh, awesome look at a, a mega city, ancient Roman mega city in Montenegro. Uh, and he went and he filmed it and he reported on it, brought us the history, the traveling, and uh, it, it's so crazy to see now them uh, come after this type of content. And uh, he 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 thinks it's because they said, well, this is what they told him, um, or this is what he says they told him. They say that it's because he harassed Hollywood too much. And they say, well, I'll, I'll just let him explain. show you this post
1: I made on Float that explains it a little bit. I said, so I just got word as to why World Alternative Media was banned from YouTube. They claimed I was bullying for making the following statement in a video I did on Hollywood going bankrupt and wanted a bailout. And I quote, Hollywood celebrities are aristocratic and talk down to the average person from their mansions. That's considered bullying. They're public figures. So, this is just a slap in the face of all reasonable human beings that didn't fall down some crazy SJW censorship rabbit hole in the last couple years. There's no controversy to what I said saying that they're aristocratic is true. They're literally sitting in mansions while their assistants are out of work saying, oh, we must keep locking down. Do your part. Don't be selfish. You're the one that's selfish. You're sitting on millions of dollars in a mansion while telling us that we got to lose all of our money for this insanity.
0: So I put the link in the uh, chat. You can also just go to Bitchute and search for it. World Alternative Media, uh, probably one of the biggest channels, bigger channels on uh, Bitchute. And uh, a lot of people are going to Bitchute And I mean, it's it's not as I mean, there's some things that aren't as good about Bitchute. It's hard to find new stuff, although it's not much harder than YouTube because YouTube is such a barren wasteland at this point and you can't search for anything um, and you can't trust that it'll be there after a while. So what we really need to do is share these channels that we find, share the videos that we find and plug into these channels and build up a new way, uh, you know, to to. What's a good way to put it? To catalog and find information. Uh because all it takes is be following the right people on BitChute. But the problem is I'm not. <laughs> like, like let me show you what my what my BitChute would look like at this point. You can you can browse the popular videos at the moment, but my like the subscribe videos, there's this channel that I just posts a bunch of stuff about left right paradigm. Some interesting stuff pops up, but high-impact flicks i don't know it's just like it's not it's not as good um it's because i'm only like following th- for maybe five to ten people but it's easy what the solution is if we can find the best people and share them with each other then we can break through that that barrier so shout out to world alternative media josh over there does a great job and it's crazy that he got censored and i didn't mean to um to group him in with the q people but that was that seemed to be like one of the major um maybe it was what Josh just said maybe it was more like that the people were criticizing hollywood and uh some some well connected people were upset with a few channels that were a big thorn in their side and they you know they asked for some favors or something um it's very it's very clear now that uh youtube and twitter and facebook can and will just do whatever they want Uh, But here is one, uh, I think, Senator, you know, Senator Josh Hawley, who's been uh, making the rounds a lot talking about this issue, and he's been talking about it since summer of last year, 2019. And he has an interesting plan, and uh, I have to give him some, I have to make a correction and give him some credit. Uh, I think that he has a good plan, at least a better plan. There's a huge, huge problem with it, though, that I want to get to. Uh, but these people who just say repeal section two thirty, you're missing a huge point. Like we need like I, I really think small companies benefit from section two thirty protections. Alternatives to these major uh tech companies benefit from section two thirty protections. And I don't think people even really understand what section two thirty is. So uh we're gonna look more into what this guy is saying in a second. And I'm also taking calls. Um Nightbot should be posting the link uh and then we'll do more of a panel at the end. But if anybody wants to call in on Discord uh, and just give it like a minute or two or a uh, few minutes and maybe we'll chat a little bit, um, Nightbot should be posting the link. All right. So no, uh, Josh says no corporation should control our democracy, not Twitter, not Facebook, not Google. So it's he He kind of hones in on three very powerful companies. Um, I mean, there's, there's others that could be added to the list, of course. Apple, Amazon, Netflix. There's a lot of people controlling um, the democracy. There is no democracy, by the way, but um, there's people controlling who... Or people's behaviors are being controlled, including who they vote for, by forces from these very powerful companies. Like, even when they spend money on advertising, they can still push agendas, and they often do. And that's all tax-deductible. We can get into that at another point. But um, it's it's just a question of what do we do at this point. And I am, I am extremely concerned about the power of these companies and their algorithms. I think it's going to be like the downfall of the collective consciousness Um, so I, I fight it every way I can, but I try to be principled and, um, not have any contradictions, you know, free myself from contradictions. So Josh Howley points out, and this is just kind of the, the standard message that a lot of people got, but this is a, a journalist, uh, with, you know, quarter million followers on, on Twitter who just tweeted out that New York post article and, and then came back and found they had been, uh, locked out um, from their Twitter account. And look, this is, a, I just saw this for the first time. His tweet here says, I've not seen a response yet from team Joe Biden on this New York post story have reached out as has much of the press corps. I imagine Biden is doing a virtual fundraiser today. Actually, he, I think canceled that What after the, um, after the, the story dropped and went viral, but, uh, it's crazy. Like this guy is just, talking about the story and, and doesn't even make an assessment on whether it's true or false and speaking of reaching out uh as press i i have reached out to this uh oh i tried to i didn't really get much of a comment uh josh howley um because i think there's a very important question that they need to answer with this proposal okay so let's let's cover a little bit of the news behind all of this Um, This came out today from CBS News. Um, YouTube cracks down on QAnon conspiracy theory videos citing real world violence. So they're now saying that um, what happens online translates to violence on the streets. And uh, this is very predictable how they were going to go this way. Uh, they tr- they love to tie it with being harmful. We see that in the UK. We'll cover that in a little bit. The uh, online harms legislation where they're so, so-called, um, they say they're trying to tackle online harms and make the UK the safest place in the world to be online. Remember, the safest place in the world is inside of a solitary confinement on suicide watch, right? But none of us really want to be there. Like, There's a level of safety that it's just like, well, if we don't have any freedom, give me death, right? That's how I feel anyway. So let's see how CBS News breaks this down. They say, YouTube is cracking down on QAnon, Pizzagate, and other conspiracy theory content. See, here again, other conspiracy theory content. That's the same thing the Reuters um, said. Conspiracy theories such as QAnon or Pizzagate. And... uh yeah, I, I'm not the type of guy who goes around watching Pizzagate videos or, or QAnon stuff. I have looked into it because I look into everything. or I, I pride myself on trying to uh, do triage situations on all the the different things people are talking about and prioritize the relevant, most important topics. Um, so I would, I would be remiss if I didn't look into it. And there is some stuff in there that I think is very concerning evidence. And then people just want to make it a... a You know, people want to obsess about it and and really do deep dives, and I'm not going to knock them for it. I'm not going to ban them for it, but um, YouTube apparently is now. I don't know what these people put out. I can't stand by what they're putting out. Um, I've I've seen a lot of people make a lot of mistakes in in work they publish, content they publish, where they'll just say things they can't prove, um, make uh, what's the term, defamatory uh, comments and, uh, about somebody. And I think people need to be careful, but maybe these people were careful. Like, uh, it's just, it seems like a lot of people were deleted all at once, which means here's, here's what I want, how I want to put it. Since all these people were deleted at once, I think it shows that YouTube just moved the, the goalpost or not. What's a good, they, they changed the rules on us, right? A bunch of people just fell off the cliff. Because they changed the rules, and all those people aren't just borderline anymore; they are um, now intolerable, undesirable content. Let me show you uh, the four R's of responsibility from YouTube. I think that uh, this is like one of the most telling things they've put out in a, in their official blog, September third, twenty nineteen. The four R's are remove, raise, reward, and reduce, (laughs) which, you know, contradict each other. So you need to hear what the other, what the other words are, uh, remove content that violates our policy as quickly as possible, uh, reduce the spread of content that, that brushes right up against our policy line. So that's what, that's the term I wanted to to find here. policy line. So what we saw is their policy line just shifted. And this policy line is going to keep shifting and shifting and shifting and shifting in, in one direction. And uh, towards the establishment, and in parts of the establishment, because it's not all like one monolith, cohesive unit. Uh, but I, I use the term for you know simplicity, so I can <laughs> summarize what I'm, you know, my more complex thoughts in a single word. But I think you guys can roll with what I'm saying. So let's keep going back through this uh, article here. Um. They say content quote has been used to justify real world violence against groups or individuals. So I I think maybe their argument I'm ge- maybe I'm giving them too much uh, benefit of the doubt, but they're saying this information is not just incorrect, but it, it drives people to be so outraged at this you know fake information that they actually will do something crazy. Um, and it's it's kind of interesting seeing. CBS news come out and in in and put this into, into black and white here because the mainstream media has started drummed up wars that have killed tons and tons of people. So it's really rich hearing hearing that from from these guys. And YouTube has been covering up for the uh United States government, it seems, to me, in my opinion, <laughs> um, in regards to 9-11. They're gonna cover up you know, they, they say they have all this uh, machine learning and yet they can't put two and two together and see the Building 7 fell into its footprint symmetrically, completely, at near freefall speed. So, I mean, don't tell me you guys are like pulling out the biases from the data. You guys are adding biases into the minds of people all around the world. its It's truly remarkable. So it says they terminated hundreds of channels. Hundreds of channels terminated and we know, you know, there's been many a channel lost over the years and obviously some bigger than others, but some might have been newer channels and I, 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 it's just crazy. I mean, we know we can see where this is going and a lot of people don't even don't even care. And by the way, we are taking calls. If anybody wants to call in, just click that uh, link that Nightbot is posting. So remember, Twitter had already announced a plan to remove QAnon content, and they, they executed at least part of it. And uh, what's scary is every time these companies do one of these big purges is they say, oh, yeah, well— just wait this next week, we're going to delete a lot more. This is just, you know, we're just starting. And, uh, I think that creates a huge chilling effect. It's not just like, oh, well, those people, you know, broke the rules. It's like, yeah, we're going to keep doing this and I wouldn't be hashtag QAnon and, you know, that's basically what they're putting out there. Like, don't hashtag QAnon for a bit because we're going to get you next. It's crazy to me. (laughs) <laughs> it says right here the origins of QAnon can be traced back to 2017, but what it stands for is less clear. Yeah, that's the whole point. Nobody could say what it stands for, and just because somebody, <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't even know what these people are, have been posting about. I know, I know, like some of the crux of the argument, but I don't know what QAnon's been working on I, I do like scroll through Twitter and find a lot of like weird screenshots of message boards and stuff but it's like um, it's a, but I, then again I'm reading mainstream news so <laughs> alright that's the end of that CBS news article here's the next article YouTube bans videos promoting conspiracy theories like QAnon that target individuals so they're saying uh, they're bullying they're targeting individuals they are dangerous conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah, that was that was what I was looking for. Uh, that's what they said in my YouTube uh, demonetization. They said, uh, this is controversial and harmful. You cover too much controversial material. That's the word I was looking for. It's like that's an interesting, uh, an interesting thing to knock. It's like isn't that where we should go have conversations about, you know, conver- or controversial topics? I think that's what we need to be discussing. If it's not controversial, it's kind of been settled, right? And you're allowed to have controversial sexual preferences, but you can't have controversial takes on the state of the world, I guess you can't have controversial mental, um, you know, just just opinions about policy because no, hell, hell no. All right. This is basically just a rehashing of the same article. We have a, a number of articles. I wanted to make this episode focused on conspiracy on the, uh, purging of conspiracy theories, so-called conspiracy theories. I know it's kind of a, a pejorative a lot of times, and also, they're going after vaccine information. We'll cover that in a second. Um, this article—I just wanted to read the headline—to kind of get us get us thinking here. In blocking tweets, is Twitter protecting the election or interfering? I think they're just uh, doing what they've always done. Well, maybe not what they've always done, but I think what they've always been there to do. To do, and it's just ramping up more and more. But they're they're a major corporation who peddles an influence and they're going to be trying to influence people with their algorithms and with their policies and with their shadow banning and all this stuff, they're going to try to influence as many people to their benefit and their, their backers benefit as possible. So the election, I think is just a red herring. I mean, I see Trump and Biden raising all these billions of dollars, spending it on ads and just bombarding us with establishment talking points arguing strategic you know it just seems like strategic arguments where it's like oh let's let's watch uh, let's watch a debate where we have trump and biden arguing about who's going to be weaker about the next virus implying that like we need to do some drastic things the next time somebody gets sick to prevent anyone else from catching it it's like this is uh, terrifying so, yeah, all these articles just say the same thing. Here's NBC's take. YouTube bans QAnon, other conspiracy content that targets individuals. Okay, here's a guy who got kicked off. He's a um, Quebec, Canada radio host, I think. It's called Radio Quebec. Loses another platform after being booted from Facebook last week. So now he's kicked off YouTube. Quebec's best-known conspiracy theorist Alexis Cassette Trudel lost another media platform on Thursday when YouTube shut down his account, which had more than 120,000 subscribers for, quote, repeatedly violating our community guidelines regarding COVID-19 misinformation. Wow. So I've seen people have their videos removed, but I haven't seen... um. I mean, I guess we have seen a lot of people get censored, but I've never seen somebody quote this like I mean, I've never seen this quote in somebody getting censored repeatedly violating our community guidelines regarding COVID-19 misinformation. This is why we need to have other ways of communicating. This is why bit shoot networks need to be built out. This is why LBRY networks need to be built out. YouTube said Thursday it, too, is taking measures to keep QAnon content off its platform. It announced that it would remove videos that target, quote, an individual or group with conspiracy theories that have been used to justify real-world violence. So, wait, wait, wait. If anybody uses something to commit real-world violence, then anybody in that group is going to get banned who also thinks something that that random person used to... Justify real world violence, okay? Because I feel like this could be used against somebody with the false flag attack, and it probably already has, right? I mean, uh, just think about how easy it would be to to target another group and put out your manifesto and be like, "I did this because um, I've been watching a lot of liberal content on the internet, and uh, and these anarchists are just awful." What? So YouTube's going to delete all the liberals because somebody? Used it to justify violence. I really doubt it. It's like we know what this really is. Like uh, you know, I, I probably made a mistake, made the mistake at the beginning of this stream and reading their PR talking points where they say, "Oh, we're banning QAnon and other conspiracy content that targets individuals." No, this is just what they're saying to sell it to the the press and to the the people who are still in the matrix, people still asleep in their cradles. So they're gunning for people and they're making the decision who lives, who dies. And, uh, Oh, that's another thing I wanted to talk about. So world health organization has uh, been talking about something they call an infodemic and an infodemic, um, they say is an oversaturation of information, both true and false and people aren't trusting authority enough. And, People are being confused and uh, scammed and frauded and hurt and killed because misinformation is spreading like a virus, right? (laughs) So they're drawing this connection between misinformation, which some people think is the truth, and virus. So I think that's a very interesting connection. So in that context, um, what is shadow banning? Well, shadow banning is isolation or quarantine, right? They're saying, okay, let's take this person and put them off somewhere where they can't infect anybody else. And shadow banning is actually a really effective way of doing that because the person doesn't know they're not having an effect or they, I guess, uh, eventually are conditioned and become helpless. But yeah, basically shadow banning is a quarantine. So what is a banning? Well, a banning is a killing. It's um, death. To that person in the network so this would be like this would be like killing people who catch covid it's like oh you caught covid we're just gonna kill you um purges are mass murder events genocide actually because it's it's going after a certain strain of thought and uh these algorithms and these social sites are basically just administering everybody vaccines against this quote-unquote misinformation via the light and the sound that they get these computer monitors and speakers to put out. So I just think it's interesting that there is such a connection between how information spreads and how a virus spreads. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. Um, I kind of see a a lot of reasons to think that it's symbolism, if that makes sense. Now, I know that might sound crazy to some people, and I could be way off, but it's at least being utilized as a metaphor, even if that wasn't the intent. All right, so this article brought up a good point that Twitter and Facebook kind of led the way with banning, banning uh, QAnon stuff, and then YouTube is following in their footsteps. Now, why is this? Is this just because somehow the media turned... Because, okay, this is kind of interesting. Like, how does an, How do all these three major companies turn on an idea that they know nothing about. Well, one way that it could happen is, well, I think I kind of know how it happens. <laughs> um, but I'm just trying to think of all these different moving parts in these different institutions. You have the the media, which is one authority, right? If the, new, if the press covers something, people point at the New York Times and say, hey, look, that's an authoritative outlet. Let me appeal to that and use that as proof. Um, then they also have the government. Remember, the government... Came out. The House of Representatives uh, put out a what's it called? A a statement or something. They voted on it though, and only like a couple people voted no. And and the vote was to condemn QAnon and associated conspiracy theories. So like, why do we see these talking points come through all these different people? We we see it come through YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, the the Democrats and and the Republicans in the House of Representatives. we see it coming out on New York Times, CBS News, NBC News. It's like, isn't it interesting? It's like the same thing that happened with 9-11. It's just like they all started saying the exact same thing, and it was like we were in some episode of... It still is like we're in um, the Twilight Zone. where We're ta- we're looking at these people, and all of them are honestly saying like that people with box cutters took down the the towers... And somehow building seven just collapsed on itself because of fires and uh there was definitely a plane at the Pentagon, even there's no no debris. It's just like a weird episode of the Twilight Zone. And then all the COVID stuff's a whole separate separate episode. All right, let's keep going here. Um oh look, and more more evidence that they all kind of do the same thing. I don't know I don't know why. I mean, maybe they'll say like we saw them and we thought that they were so courageous to ban Holocaust denial posts. And we said, you know, we want to, we want to be like them. We know, (laughs) I, I don't know. Like, why do they always do the same things in, um, in waves like this? So Twitter will ban Holocaust denial posts following Facebook. Facebook implemented the policy on Monday. And, uh, Facebook also said something about, like, misrepresenting the Holocaust, too. Like, not just denying it, but it's, like, misrepresenting it. So, like, is, is a, asking a question or saying you don't know, is that misrepresenting it? Do we have to say exactly what they want us to say? And people might be, like, reading between the lines and thinking I'm trying to make some point about the Holocaust. I'm really not. I'm, I'm just looking at this as, like... One of those examples that they can sell to their teams and say, we need to censor this. Let's create a way that we can censor this type of content. And here's the, here's the kicker, though. They don't want to just delete the Holocaust content. They also want to have a, a list where they can just add whatever they want right underneath Holocaust. They can be like, uh, let's, oh, QAnon. Okay, what else? Uh, moon landing uh, conspiracy theories. What else? You know, they can just start tacking more and more things onto the list. And uh, there's this article that I think really jumps out at me uh, that YouTube put out on their blog. And it was um, improving our work to improve recommendations or something. Continuing our work to improve recommendations on YouTube. And in he- here's their classic line. Remember when this was the big, the big, uh, betrayal back in the day they just betray us over and over again it's like every two months we become acclimated to the new the new world and then they betray us again but they came out and actually tried to sell this like they always do like it's a good thing no apologies no thank yous to the people they're they're booting um so it says right here, we'll we'll continue that work this year, including ta- including taking a closer look at how we can reduce the spread of content that comes close to, but doesn't quite cross the line of violating our community guidelines. To that end, we'll begin reducing recommendations of borderline content and content that could misinform users in harmful ways. This is the kicker. Such as, such as videos promoting a phony miracle cure for a serious illness, huh? And this came out back in 2019. What did they know that we didn't know? How did did they know that COVID was on the horizon? Um z- claiming the earth is flat or making blatantly false claims about historical events like 9/11. So like I'm pretty sure they I don't know, maybe they they went after the Holocaust thing first, but um I, I remember this being like the first three conspiracy theories they they came gunning for, or they, they, they came for. It's like, okay, alternate medicine, alternate cosmology, people who disagree with the f- official narrative of history. And look how it, it says right here, very lawyerly, um, historical events like 9-11. Like 9-11? What does that mean? It was something that you guys are all lying about? Is that are those the events that you're talking about? <laughs> like what? What are historical events like in 9/11? And why did you say it like that? All right, moving on. Um, Washington Post won't let me read their article, but I can see the the headline and the subtext here. Let me take a sip real quick of coffee. All right. Trump's reshared tweets help shield him from Twitter's bans. Trump's reshared tweets shield him from being banned is what they're saying. So, now they want people to be held accountable, I guess, for retweeting stuff. And they're just using the Trump, they're using Trump because he's the the villain in a lot of people's minds. And people if they see some blood, they'll go for it. They'll go for the throat and it, 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 people are so suggestible all it takes is like washington post to kind of float this idea around them and before they know it they'll be like coming out to their friends and being like we really need to make laws that prevent people from retweeting too because if you don't say in the in the text of your tweet this is ridiculous and this is totally wrong uh you you can't just publish other 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 people's stuff so it's just insane and and we know what stuff they're going to say you can't retweet and We know, like we've seen with the YouTube policy line, all of the policy lines across these different companies are just going to keep getting more, more Orwellian. So it says here, President Trump regularly shares content from his campaign on Twitter without using the common retweet or quote retweet. Um... So I don't know exactly what they're talking about there because I can't read the article. Maybe it's only different than I, I read, than I originally thought reading that headline. But so uh, here is YouTube saying that they will ban um, videos that contain COVID nineteen misinformation. But my computer's going slow, so I might have to move on. Oh, no, here we go. YouTube bans videos with COVID-19 vaccine misinformation. This is a PC magazine article. Videos that claim a COVID-19 vaccine will kill people or cause infertility or result in vaccine takers getting microchipped will all get removed. Look at that. Um, Oh, we have somebody in the waiting room. Alright, you are on the show, Lenka. Uh, are you meaning to call in? How, how's everything going? And uh, do you have any comments for the people out there? Yeah, we can hear you, Lenka. Uh, are you there? Alright, I'm going to uh, assume that that is a misdial, since I'm sharing the link out there in the chat. Um so this is interesting now. So I've been covering vaccines for months and months and months. I don't say things like like what it says here. If you can read it, I don't want to like trigger any algorithms. But it's a possibility. It's a possibility people can get hurt if you don't test the product. So I, I try to be very um very accurate with what I say and never say anything I can't prove. But I think it's quite clear that. This guy right here, Michael can and or maybe I shouldn't blame the messenger, right? Let's say YouTube. how can YouTube know that it's not going to cause infertility? Let's take an example. how how do they know that uh, people are still as fertile as when they took it? Are they even testing for fertility in these trials? Are they even following people for for a long time? I don't think so. Uh, I, uh, for, for one, they tell women who are pregnant they can't be in the trials. Only very healthy people who um, are not sexually active or or actually like child rearing, I should say, um, are allowed to be in these trials and they test for a few months. They're going to roll this thing out. It's, it's a lunacy. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that people should go around saying this without proof. I don't know why anybody would do that. I mean, especially if you're not a medical doctor, you, you probably shouldn't um, make medical claims And publish them. But um, some people are going to think that that's people's right. I think people have. Well, it's tricky. And that's one thing people they're trying to set us up in a trap here because this is a very important topic. And they're they're making it out to be a much more important topic in other people's minds than it is in ours. And that is this covid quote unquote pandemic. Um, But what was I going to say? They're, they're just really, oh yeah, they're basically just trying to create a situation where people, um, where they can just basically, I mean, it's, it's the argument that information can be damaging. Information can be harmful. And it's like what the UK parliament is looking to do, or some of them, and that is regulate the internet and free it from online harms. And they get to decide what online harms are. And they're, one of their flagship examples is bullying and COVID-19. And look at this. Look what everyone just got banned for today or yesterday or the day before or whatever. Hundreds and hundreds of accounts banned for wrong think on these topics. And they're basically creating a precedent where people aren't allowed to be wrong anymore. And I think people have the right to be wrong now it's tricky if you're gonna like be publishing harmful information to people, that that does create some some damages sometimes. But the bigger risk here is to empower government to say whatever they want is harmful and ban our speech outright. Like I'd rather have people publishing incorrect medical information than a government telling us what we're allowed to to say and, and read. So. I, I do get the argument that they're saying that misleading somebody, fraud, uh, committing fraud or giving bad medical advice can lead to real uh, consequences. And uh, I just think they're taking it way too far, way, way, way too far. And they're politicizing it like they always do. Right. And that's the that's the road that we're on. Increased politicization. Uh, they're going to make it more and more political. They're going to politicize it more and more going into the future. All right. I wanted to see what this article was about. This is a upi.com. Experts testify online conspiracies, dismantling democracy. YouTube bans QAnon content. Experts testified before Congress on Thursday that the spread of misinformation and conspiracy theories online has contributed to the dismantling of democracy. This is a big threat to our democracy. This is a dismantling of our democracy. During the House Intelligence Committee hearing titled Misinformation, Conspiracy Theories and Infodemics Stopping the Spread Online. Oh my gosh. I hadn't even read this far yet. They had a hearing called Misinformation, Conspiracy Theories and Infodemics Stopping the Spread Online. Infodemic is a term from the World Health Organization which they use to say, okay, information's getting out there that we can't control, and people, don't, uh, people aren't obeying authority enough anymore. And they need people to obey authority. The whole system, the whole illusion, depends on people obeying authority. If, if people stopped obeying authority, or saying, no, that person's not my authority, my authority is God, or my authority is uh, my family, or whatever then um their whole their whole house of cards would would collapse i would think but stopping the spread online look at that stopping the spread online which which has a couple of of ways to interpret it stopping okay how do we stop the covid spread with what we do online or the way it sounds to me like st- how do we stop the spread of information online stopping the spread online and it's this this recurring pattern that we're seeing where they're drawing a connection it's almost as if they're playing out a parable an allegory it's a metaphor i think this virus being inconvenient information to their their kingdom so i think um my goal is is to get the um is to figure out what's true and get that information out and we need to be weary of the line, the landmines that they're planting for everybody, and they put they put these landmines sometimes in in our friends and our families' heads, and if you say the wrong phrase or if you if they read between the lines of what you're saying, they can uh, totally shut down, um, because of what they've been conditioned to accept and not accept. And uh, one one thing that I read the other day, I have it right here. I, I, I keep coming back to this. This is my uh, book that I bought just to give me some things to think about uh, to make better shows and stuff. But and this is a book called Ethics in Crime and Justice, because I think morality is actually a very difficult subject. Um, I haven't been convinced by anything. Somebody saying it's in the Bible doesn't do it for me. It's like then you got to you have to prove that God wants me to do that. And I, I I think that's a very dangerous thing is like listening to other people about God. And I know we don't have many other options other than trying to discern reality for ourselves. But here, here's what this book says. Long story short, um, this is what this story, the book says about how uh, morality is acquired. Um, it says all humans are shaped by the world around them and form completely subjective opinions about morality and ethics. Uh, This learning can take place through modeling or by reinforcement. In modeling, values and moral beliefs come from those one admires and aspires to identify with. If that role model happens to be a priest, one would probably develop a religious ethical system if it... Okay, uh, I don't know about that part. Well, I'm I'm, going to skip over some of this. Um, it says here, it's no surprise that when asked who has been important in one's moral development, most people say their parents, since parents are the most significant people in one's lives, uh, during important formative years. Now think about that important formative years. Who are the role models in the children's lives during those years? Really? Well, a lot of times it's the teachers. A lot of times it's the television. Now the internet if the internet excuse me um, and I, I think this is very interesting the impact of modeling on a child you know they see they see how they're supposed to act on the movies and on TV and uh, on YouTube and with their parents and so on and so forth and uh, they don't think for themselves and then we have uh, the other thing the other way people can take on moral development reinforcement and I I think this is a a really important one. They train us a lot of times. Uh, it happens in school. They train us to be obedient and uh, submissive to authority, docile, easily molded, malleable. And they fill us. They take that opportunity to fill us with a bunch of do, uh, excuse me doctrine and dogma while we're in that sort of suggestible state. And it's it's crazy to me. I mean, it makes sense, but I don't like it. And now these kids are having to wear masks and sit in little mini cages inside of the bigger cage with the teacher at the front of the, the teacher at the front of the cage. So. The Wilson Center disinformation fellow Nina Jankowicz in front of Congress testified, quote, this is a threat. <laughs> oh, there's the threat again this is a threat to our democracy. I wonder if she just watches a lot of TV or if she's, you know, in on the, the talking point memos. I mean, I, I make the same joke, but I, you know, you guys know I'm joking when I say this is a big threat to our democracy. Cause that's what the, if you guys don't know what I'm joking about, there are clips. You can find of uh, compilations of reporters just saying the same ridiculous lines over and over again. And the two biggest examples are, this is a big threat to our democracy. And a birthday is a very special event for children. Or something like that. Uh, there's a, there's also a line with birthdays where they just keep hammering into people's heads like how much birthdays are important on the news. It's weird. Okay, so let me read the quote. Uh, this is a threat that is dismantling democracy. As Americans right now exercise their democratic rights, it is crucial. It is critical. The nation is informed about how disinformation might blunt their voice and their vote. Disinformation is going to blunt our voice and our vote. I mean, it's true. Everything that is said has a kernel of truth. The problem is they're using arguments that should be used against them, against the good people a lot of times. Now, I'm not saying every person that gets banned is telling the truth or is doing it in a good way. I'm just saying that I see a pattern in who they're banning, and it's it's not just... Uh, lewd or offensive or awful stuff. I mean, I think a lot of, uh, I think people generally understand that companies don't have to host videos for everybody, but it's it's really weird to see how, how they're hosting for a lot of really um, raunchy, in my opinion, just a lot of awful stuff being hosted on YouTube. And then I see some people out there like covering news and ancient ruins like, World Alternative Media does, and then they get banned? Out of everyone that could get banned on YouTube, World Alternative Media is going to get banned. I mean, give me a break. All right, let's keep going here. Okay, let's let's shift gears here. This is how Cigar boiled it down on this uh, show by The Hill. Um, I just think this is funny, the way he spins it and tries to separate progressives from establishment Democrats. So this guy is like a a talking head for uh, the Democrat side of things or progressive side of things, I would say. It's a very liberal-leaning show uh, because that's one way to get huge is kind of pick an audience like liberals or conservatives and just kind of appeal to them. And it seems like The Hill kind of appeals more to progressives and younger people. But listen to how he brings up the Hunter... Um, Hunter Biden email scandal being censored on multiple different sites. And then I kind of want to talk about some other things, just kind of spinning off of what he says here. So let's watch this at uh, 1.25 speed.
1: Never stays in one lane. Today was the New York Post story about Hunter Biden, but envision this scenario. An establishment Democrat is running against a progressive. Leaked emails show the establishment dem coordinating with corporate lobbyists. And then that establishment dem gets Twitter or Facebook to ban the story. To ban even a progressive Democrat from trying to fundraise off of it, that is now within the realm of possibility. If you think it won't happen, don't complain to me in a few years when it does. You. Can-
0: so he's he's right on this on the topic, but then he uses some some interesting terminology. I wanted to comment on, and it's like this is going to dovetail nicely into what I want to talk about next. But he he talks about these two groups. He's like, just imagine there's a progressive running against an establishment Democrat. And the progressive wants to do, or then, then the Demo, the establishment Democrat has some dirt come out, and the progressive, and all the progressives get censored or something. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I kind of see your point, except for, who are we calling progressives here? Are these like the social, uh, or the democratic socialists? Um, what exactly are progressives? That was my first question that I wanted to uh, to dive into here. Let's see how Wikipedia defines progressivism. Uh Progressivism is a f- uh, political philosophy in support of social reform. So change, right? We need to change society. Okay, what in which direction? They say based on the idea of progress. Oh, the idea of progress. <laughs> see, that's what I I hate about this word. It's like it inherently like looks at one political ideology as like they're they're doing great They're progressing because who doesn't like progress, right? Uh, everyone wants to progress. Everyone wants to succeed. Uh, everyone wants to move forward and it just kind of implies the other side is regressive, but it's like, it's such a backhanded compliment. It's like, uh, how Richard Dawkins wanted to call all of the atheists like him, the brights. It's like, you're just patting yourself on the back in the name and, uh, not not really making your point you're just like oh i'm such a great guy um so they're saying that advancements in science technology economic development and social organization are vital to the improvement of the human condition um through strengthening the basis of empirical knowledge as the foundation of society yeah those Those progressives really love empirical knowledge, right? So I I just hate these terms. And then, so they can label whoever they want to win the progressives, right? Oh, look, he's the progressive candidate. It's just like uh, good press to be called the progressive candidate. And then we have the other term they like to throw around, far right. So if you get labeled far right, it doesn't mean anything specific about your policy. It's just a a dog whistle to get everybody to attack you. Um, I mean, there's some people who who wear it proudly, I guess, far right. And uh, I, I even sometimes am like, well, I guess depending on your political spectrum, I'm very far right. But the problem is the political spectrum, and everyone's talking about different things, and there's so much confusion and ambiguity that anybody could be on any side of the spectrum. Um, we more or less know, well, actually, I think it's a huge problem. I was going to say we more or less know, what left means and what right means. But do we? Is there any agreement amongst the population? I mean, I think we all know that there's like different factions in the country of thought, different schools of thought. But does left or right or far right or progressive really mean anything anymore? I mean, not anymore. has Have they ever meant anything? Let's hear how they define far right on Wikipedia. Um, so they, they say uh, this is their spectrum. Well, before we get to the what they call the left-wing, I should just give the definition. Okay, far-right policies. It says, historically, used to describe the experiences of fascism and Nazism. Today, far-right policies include neo. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. So, fascism and Nazism was on their right. And then what's on their left? Well, uh, let's see. Far-left is... Um, policy, okay, there's different definitions of the far left, it says here. Do they say that for far right? Nope. Nope, they don't say it for far right. Far left, they're like, oh man, there's different ways, it's very nuanced, we need to look at this. Uh, the, the term far left has been associated with some forms of anarchism and communism. Then why do they never call, they, I've never heard them call an anarchist a far left person. Unless they're like Antifa or something. And they're not really anarchists. All right, moving on. I, I know that's not very helpful, but I, I'm just struggling with these terms. It's just a, no, a no-win situation. They're usually changing all the words in the dictionary, using them uh, strategically. It's a battle of words, definitely. Um... Speaking of words, (laughs) here's uh, some of what happened at the debate. Let's let's look at this first off. So they're they're talking about the debate numbers. It says Biden leads Trump in early uh, ratings from dueling town halls with 12.7 million versus versus Trump's 10.4 million. Now, I know a lot of people are going to watch these uh, both watch both of them. And I'm just thinking, okay, how much time did everybody waste on this establishment BS? I mean, these are both establishment candidates, whether you want to admit it or not. And uh, I'm not even... um, Well, I just think it's just such a waste of time. And I'm not saying people shouldn't watch the debates or anything. It's, it's important for people to stay informed, but... What I see is them raising billions and billions of dollars and then just being able to use it for propaganda money to keep the illusion going, and they do it. And they create all these little f- stupid things that people f- uh, fixate on and obsess on, like the fly on Pence's hair, uh, etc., and they never talk about the real issues. They'll never talk about the real issues. They'll play the Trump clip a million times of him uh, saying... What did he say? Uh, fine. When when he was asked about the uh, white supremacy and condoning it or condemning it, excuse me, uh, condemning white supremacy. He's like, yeah, fine, I'll I'll, I'll call him out. And uh, <laughs> then they just play that clip over and over again. Trump refuses to answer the question or, you know, he refuses to call it out. And it's just not the question to be asked. Like, what about the Federal Reserve? What about these tax rates, even under Trump, who's. Being, uh, where people are being conditioned to think Trump's tax rates are too low. Look at the taxes in this country. There's a too low for you now? Well, people are being trained to think it's too low. And, uh, here's a clip from the debate where Trump gets called like someone's crazy uncle. Because, or you're, quote, you're not like someone's crazy uncle. Um, who I guess gets a pass for retweeting, but nobody else does. So people can't even like retweet stuff. Let's let's see this exchange just
1: this week. You retweeted to your 87 million followers, a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden orchestrated to have seal team six, the Navy seal Team six killed to cover up the, f- the fake death of bin Laden. Now, why would you send a lie like that to your followers? You I retweeted. Agree? That was
2: a retweet. That was a an opinion of somebody. But, and that was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. I don't, get themselves. You're I don't the take a You're not
1: like someone's crazy uncle who no, can no, just retweet no, no. whatever. That
2: was a retweet, and I do a lot of retweets, and frankly, because the media is so fake and so corrupt, if I didn't have social media, I don't call it Twitter, I call it social media, I wouldn't be able to get the word out. And the word well, the is, word is And you know what the word is? The word is very simple. We're building our country stronger and better than it's ever been before. Let's-
0: so I, I just think these are very strategic movements that they that they put out there. And I think that this is, you know, creating this world because we've already seen uh, with with Twitter, they said, okay, with certain content on our site, we are going to not let people just retweet it. We're going to make them put their own comment on it. And it's only on the tweets they don't like. And specifically, at least in this first rollout pilot phase, as I, as I would call it, um, they're going to focus on election interference stuff or, or things that might influence the election. But did, they basically want to make people pick a side. They can't just put it out there and say, hey, check this out. I mean, that's what retweet means to me. It's like there's a heart button. If I want to click the heart button, that means I, I like it or I love it or whatever their, their terminology is. Retweet means show everybody on my who's subscribed to me on Twitter this post. It doesn't mean you endorse it, but uh, now they want people to pick a side. So when you retweet something, they want you to have to say your thoughts on it um, so then later if they if they want they can be like well you you posted this and you said that you stand by it or whatever you know it's like I can see where this is going but how do we stop it? so speaking of seeing where this is going uh, way back in March 2019 we got a little glimpse of where it was going a lot of this has come true and this is one of their favorite talking points. And uh, let's let's just kind of remind ourselves before we dive into the Christchurch call here. Uh, let's look at what all these headlines were saying. YouTube cracks down on QAnon conspiracy theory videos citing real world violence. That was CBSNews.com. Uh, Reuters said um, that YouTube is banning conspiracy theories targeting individuals or groups. Targeting, right? That's a strong word. Let's see what other headlines we had. Okay, that's about it. So let's go back to, where was it? Christchurch call. Their tagline, to eliminate, eliminate terrorist and violent extremist content online. So, this is one of their major talking points. If they can, if they can call something uh, a driver to be a if they if they can deem something to be a driver of violent extremism, then they can delete it. That's what they said. They said we'll delete uh, QAnon and Pizzagate because it they cause real world harm because people have used it to justify violence. It's insane. So, um, I mean, talk about, you, you want to talk about terrorism and violent extremist content? Why do all of these uh, U.S. senators and congressmen and presidents have tw- uh, Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts? I mean, talk about warmongers and mass murderers. All right. So here's the call. They they basically, uh, well, let me show you the, the people who are, on board with this, all of these major countries, very, very powerful countries. The U.S. isn't on there, but most other major countries are. And then these online service providers, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Dailymotion, Microsoft, Twitter, YouTube, Line, Quant. Quant, This is the Christchurch call. They all came together and they basically said, we need to create a shared database of things that we want to ban on the terms that or on the basis that they drive terrorism. And this system right here, expansion and use of shared databases, of hashes and URLs, and effective notice and takedown procedures. And they want to make other companies um, go along with this. And they picked a really weird font. What's up with these Ds? And the R's, that's a weird font. Okay, sorry. Um, Closing accounts were appropriate, it says. And they want to make other people... They want to force the alternate sites to use these um, shared databases as well. So, uh, theoretically, I mean, we saw people making an attempt to circumvent that URL ban the other day. Which, by the way, has been lifted on that one article... The New York Post article on Hunter Biden on Twitter, um, people couldn't even share it for a while. And then uh, the House Judiciary put up their own version of it, and it too got censored uh, in a way. People got like a scary warning when they tried to click on it. But they could take the text of that article and, and put it in some database somewhere, ha- put it in a hash, which is like the fingerprint of data, so that that text could have a fingerprint... And then they could look for it in any form. You know, people reading it on Twitter, or excuse me, reading it on their YouTube videos, people posting links to copies of it on other sites. Um, they can also do the same. We know, like, look at their copy copyright system. They have worked out to a T the ability to detect audio in video. And uh, they can use that for all sorts of different things. Like, okay, you can't even have alex jones voice on your video or something theoretically or i mean there's all sorts of crazy things that they can do in the future that i could imagine like they could uh, somehow detect our our voice by how we talk and then actually de-platform us completely and not even allow us back on um in any form okay here let's let's transition now um People have been pointing out that the clock has been not the right time and it doesn't really seem like anything else than uh, this Kaylee McKenna person is uh, dropping his codes or maybe trying to speak over our heads. Um, although I don't know why they would do that on national television. Um, it, it gets out there more, but the clock is set at 2.30 here. And so a lot of people are thinking that... Um. A lot of people are thinking that this is a reference to the the clock, the top, you know, the clocks running up on Section Two Thirty, TikTok on on Two Thirty. But um, we need to really think about what Section Two Thirty does and how it would impact things, and talk about plans for improving it. I don't think we should repeal anything. We should improve. I mean, we should repeal things, sure. But uh, this this law doesn't really strike me as the problem here. It could be improved, but. Let's talk about what the law is real quick. So, I I should have looked up what year they passed this. Probably 90s or something. Um, maybe, maybe later. It says, basically, the internet's this great thing. We need to uh, protect companies to innovate on the internet. Uh, policy. It is the policy of the United States to promote the continued development of the internet and in other interactive computer services and other interactive media. Which sounds nice, but... <laughs> The more I learn about DARPA, I mean, the more I think that the internet is like a U.S. military operation to some, to some extent. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that happens on the internet, and it's a great tool, and but there's there's a cost, I think, big time. So they say they want to preserve the vibrant and competitive free market that present, uh, that presently exists for the internet and other interactive computer services. They want to encourage the development of technology, which maximize user control over what information is received. They want to remove disin- disincentives for the development and utilization of blocking and filtering technologies that empower parents to restrict their children's access to objectionable or inappropriate online materials. Um... To ensure vigorous enforcement by federal criminal laws to deter and punishment, trafficking, and obscenity, stalking, and harassment by means of computer. All right. Um, It says here, treatment. This is the key part right here. uh, Section C, protection for Good Samaritan blocking and screening of offensive material. Uh, Treatment of publisher or speaker. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So this is key. No provider or user. So the companies that run the show or run the platforms or the users who are chatting and making videos and doing live streams. And even like imagine a live stream with an open panel where you have different people calling in or a call-in phone number. There's lots of different people putting information out there. And everybody is accountable for their own actions and other people shouldn't be held as the publisher uh, or the speaker. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Civil liability. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be held liable on account of any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd, uh less vicious, sorry, uh filthy, excessively violent, harassing or otherwise objectionable. Whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. Okay, you see that? Whether or not the material is constitutionally protected. So it's up to it's up to the provider, as long as they're operating in good faith, to restrict access to or availability of material. Um, also the users can restrict access or availability of materials. So people can block each other, um, mute each other, uh, if they consider the other person to be obscene, lewd, filthy, violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable. So the question is, are they operating in good faith? I think not really. Um, although I don't want to see them. Well, I, I don't want to say I don't want to see them get attacked, But I don't want to see the government become the regulator that's going to end up killing us all off in terms of this infodemic, right? Um, So I think that that's interesting, right? So they're talking about like, okay, for the most part, you're not going to be liable and you can make your own moderation decisions. You can delete what you want to delete. You can uh, host what people want to publish on you and it's them who would have to get sued, not you. So this is great for the, alter- the alternate platforms that are trying to uh, seize this huge void which is caused by these rigged algorithms and how the social media companies are are just totally outright rigging everything in their own favor. Uh, so B, it also says that no provider or user of an interactive commu- uh, computer service shall be held liable on account of any action taken to enable or make available to information content providers or others, the technical means to restrict access to material described in paragraph one. So I guess that would kind of be like how we can ban people or block people, mute people. Um, people can't be held liable for that either. Um, so let's look at what people are proposing. Because we're hearing people say repeal section 230. That I think is is like way too far because we like the internet. The problem is that they're they're censoring too much. And this provides them protection for uh, what they call Good Samaritan blocking. Um, And they say, no, you guys are taking it too far. So there's different discussions here, right? So what does this mean here that they have 2.30 on the clock? Uh, Well, let me, I want to make out this point. To all of you Republicans who are pushing to repeal Section 230, I want you to listen to this clip because you have a friend in, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen in the ADL, it looks like. Listen to this.
1: In every, other, in, in, sorry, in every other industry, you can be sued for the harm you cause. Publishers can be sued for libel. People can be sued for defamation. I've been sued many times. <laughs> I'm being sued right now <laughs> by someone whose name I won't mention because he might sue me again. But social media companies are largely protected from liability for the content their users post, no matter how indecent it is, by Section 230 of, get ready for it, the Communications Decency Act. It's
0: so you see, he's talking about a different thing there. There's two things in the, in the Decency Act, the Section 230. Um, one is that the publishers can let things ride if they want to let them ride. They can let uh, New York Post's stuff stay up there, even if New York Post maybe broke some laws in doing it. That's up to them. to. And if they defamed Hunter, that's up to them to defend themselves. Um, but there's also this other component, which says that people can ban and mute other people. And it's up to, it's up to the, as long as it's, um, in good faith and meets one of these criteria, one of the criteria is otherwise objectionable, which is, uh, very, very broad and ambiguous. Um, but, so look, I'm going to put this a little bit later in the queue there. Let's, let's go talk about that stuff in a second, but let's talk about this now. This is, uh, Senator Howley's plan to, um, Let's see. It says to encourage providers of Internet, interactive computer services to provide content moderation that is politically neutral. Now, of course, this is the key phrase here. Politically neutral. Is that going to protect flat earth content from being deleted? Is that going to protect people who say that the U.S. government lied about uh, weapons of mass destruction or about the moon mission or about um, any number of things like the Gulf of Tonkin? We seek no wider war so on and so forth. I mean, what is politically neutral? So you're allowed to be a Democrat. You're allowed to be a Republican and nobody can to you for that. Is that what they're going to say? Um, I just don't get it. Like the more I think about this, it's like, do we really want the government to decide what's politically neutral? Now, let me give this a caveat. Cause I do like his plan in this regard. This is only a rule for big companies. Um, as in, if they have more than 30 million active monthly users in the U.S., um, more than 300 million active monthly users worldwide, or who have more than 500 million in global annu- annual revenue. So I think that that is only going to be these big companies, which I think is um, very interesting and so what what they're basically trying to do here is they say Section 230 provides these companies so much value. Well, let's use this as a negotiation tactic, which is kind of weird on its face. It's like uh, we're just going to give you this liability, but only if you do what we say and you, you don't ban the conservatives or something. It's like I just want to I want some reassurances that they're talking about um what they like we need to know what they mean by politically neutral maybe it's defined in here i haven't read the full thing but i i do think that it's uh it's interesting we need to talk about these things but the problem is if you if if people push too hard and regulate too much then they're going to stifle the small companies and uh and really just cement the, I was going to say the dictatorships, which it kind of is, but really I meant the the monopolies, the duopolies. And let's keep going here. So I I do want to read this uh, bill in more details, but let's just skim through it real quick. I hate the formatting on these congressional bills. They have like 10 characters per line. All right. Politically biased moderation. So this is kind of an interesting section here. It sounds like it might answer some of my questions. It says, "The moderation practices of a provider of an interactive computer service are politically biased if the provider moderates information provided by other information content providers in a manner that either is designed to negotiate or is designed to negatively affect a political party, political candidate, or political viewpoint." Or, and wait, one second, what's a political viewpoint? Or, B, disproportionately restricts or promotes access to or the availability of information from a political party, political candidate, or political viewpoint. Or, an officer or employee of the provider makes a decision about moderating information provided by other information content providers that is, neg- or that is motivated by an intent to negatively affect a political party political candidate or political viewpoint so what is political mean to these guys like this is kind of the problem with rules (laughs) is like every word has its own definition and it's just like really you need to define this a little better because the way i interpret political viewpoint is going to be different than how most people i mean everyone's going to have their own different definition of what is a political viewpoint Um, If it's anything, if it's like, okay, what shape do you think the earth is? What do you think the sun is? Uh, What do you think about the Holocaust? What do you think about um, the Democrats? You know, I don't know. It's just like, it's interesting. It's like, okay, what what would a world look like if these major companies had to either decide— to take on the lawsuits, which they might actually do in this case, like their lawyers might be like, hey, let's just uh, let's just well, I I think first they, well, actually, I don't know, because part of the the bill calls for and I should have already mentioned this, or I should have mentioned this Um, basically it's saying that the companies would have to open their vaults up for an audit, their algorithms and, right here, so External audits, big tech companies would have to prove to the FTC by clear and convincing evidence that their algorithms and content re- removal policies are pol- or, excuse me politically neutral. The FTC could not certify big tech, com- big tech companies for immunity except by a supermajority vote. Big tech companies would be responsible for the cost of conducting audits. Big tech companies would have to reapply for immunity every two years. Um, preserves existing immunity for small and medium-sized companies. I think that's really interesting, actually. Um, I really, I think it's an interesting. I, I would love to interview this this senator. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, Five hundred million is a lot of a lot of money. Now here's something though 30 million active users or more than ha- or have more than 500 million in global annual revenue. It's like what about if somebody just has a really popular site and they're not making that much money and they still have to pay for uh regulators to come? It should be and that's my opinion anyway. All of these should should have to be required. 30 million I don't know what the more than th- worldwide users is. But um, more than 30 million, I guess there's like other, obviously, companies set up in other countries that might have Section 230 protections and these laws would apply to as well. Uh, but I think, you know, 30 million active monthly users and more than 500 million in global revenue would be better, but just my thought. So what do you guys think about this? If it disproportionately restricts or promotes access to information um, from a political party, political candidate, or political viewpoint. Like, what's a political viewpoint? Like, uh, I think my example about the, the earth and stuff is a bad one, because that's more of like a... I mean, it's, it's important, but it's more of like an opinion on the nature of reality, not how should policy be conducted. I'm, I'm just really trying to wrap my head around this. So... Remember, we saw back in 2016, uh, Project Veritas, actually, maybe it was a couple years after 2016, Project Veritas got this clip of this uh, woman who is an executive, f- or st- still probably is an executive, for Google's Machine Learning Fairness Initiative. And uh, basically, it's it's propaganda initiative, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm sure they do some good work, but it gives them the ability to call what they don't like a bias in the data, and then they can just censor that bias, and the computer's like, I'm on it, I'm on it, boss. But political viewpoints, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that this would be a very smart way to do it compared to what some people are saying about repeal Section 230. Like that's what Trump is saying. Um, like let me let me do a search on on Trump's page. <laughs> this will be funny actually. Let's search uh, Trump's Twitter For 230. All right, here we go. This was uh oh wow, this is from yesterday. Let's listen.
2: And if big tech persists in coordination with the mainstream media, we must immediately strip them of their Section 230 protection. Okay, it's very simple.
0: Now, okay, with with uh, Howie's bill in mind, that seems like a smarter comment. If big tech is going to collude, let's listen to it one more time. Then we'll strip them of their Section two hundred and thirty protections. That I, you know, I'm kind of on board with. Um, and I'm not one for regulation most of the time, but I, I really encourage people out there. Who do want to regulate the, the these major companies who I agree are ruining the world, just be smart and, and precise in what you're calling for because we don't want to get swept up and like repeal some great protection that a lot of us have on the internet. We want to make sure that we hold the culprits, the criminals, the big companies that are screwing us accountable.
2: Tech persists in coordination with the mainstream media, and a big tech persists in coordination with the mainstream media. We must immediately strip them of their Section Two Thirty protection. Okay, it's very simple.
0: Now, it is interesting because I mean, talk about collusion between the mainstream media, the government, and the mainstream media have been colluding for for a long time. Just look into Operation Mockingbird or Project Mockingbird. Um, the CIA's infiltration of mainstream press. I mean, they basically will all just cite each other's authority. It's a big um, round-robin situation where they all point at somebody else and say, look, that guy said it was true, and he's the authority. And then that person points at somebody else and says, oh, I learned from over there. Like, uh, if you search New York Times and Building 7... It's a good example. Let me pull that up. They're like, well, the NIST report says that, you know, it's fires. Fire, not explosives, felled third tower on 9-11, comma, report says. <laughs> so, the media will point at the government and be like, oh, it's true. I mean, we're, we're just the spokesman for the police departments and the the new world order and the military industrial complex. And, uh, then (laughs) the, the government will also point at the media too. like as much as Trump calls out the the fake news, he'll also just like source it. And, uh, he'll reference it whenever it suits him and appeal to the, the authority of these media outlets. So it's all just like everyone's backing each other up and they're all on the same side, in my opinion, or they're all just diluted or, uh, Is that the right term? Uh, delusional. Um, oh wait, I was going through... That was just one of his tweets about... Section 230. He says here so terrible that Facebook and Twitter took down the story of smoking gun emails related to sleepy Joe Biden and his son Hunter in the New York Post. It is only the beginning for them. There is nothing worse than a corrupt politician. And then all caps with three exclamation points repeal section 230. Now here he's not talking about for big companies that are political. Like do you, I hope people see what I mean like we we can't just be saying repeal section 230 without actually having a plan like with what to replace it with um like i'm sure repealing section 230 yeah definitely se- repealing section 230 would hit these guys really hard but it would hit everybody across the board on the internet and just open everybody up to liability and it would also allow the big money players just to sue everybody and uh, i don't think we want to bring more litigation into this cuz that just I mean, that just helps the people who uh, have enough money to buy teams of lawyers or hire, I should say, hire teams of lawyers. Um, Here he just says that uh, Twitter is fighting hard for the radical left Democrats, a one sided battle illegal section 230 exclamation point. So I guess I don't even know how to read that. Is he saying I don't know what he's saying about section 230. October six, he's a bit clearer because he uses a verb. Repeal Section two hundred and thirty. Uh, May twenty sixth, he says Rev- uh, revoke two hundred and thirty. June the fourth, he just says Section two hundred and thirty exclamation point again. <laughs> um, here he says Section two hundred and thirty should be revoked by Congress. Until then, it will be regulated. What are you talking about? You mean um, updated? It already is a regulation. Um, oh, I see what he's made. I, I guess he's talking about the um, which companies get the protections should be regulated. But revoking Section 230, I, you guys have to come up with. with. Although, I mean, I guess. Um, I guess I kind of see what they're saying. Just like, let it all be a free for all. Everyone can sue everybody else. I just don't know. I kind of just like, I kind of like the section Two Thirty. I mean, I'm I'm looking at it. I don't like many laws. I mean, there's laws that I like, but there's a lot of laws I I think are stupid. Um, But this one I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of, I don't know why they don't, they don't just make the case that these guys aren't good Samaritans. Like, is it really a good Samaritan move to pick one side in the election and, and let their stuff ride and then ban the other sides? Um, so that's the debate here. Let's see what else we have. So political is defined as meaning relating to the government or the public affairs of a country. So they can't ban anybody for being political, huh? Interesting word. Okay. Here is the, um, the guy, Howley. What's his first name? Josh Howley. Howley. And um, let's listen to this clip. I want to say that, uh, obviously, I agree wholeheartedly with the chairman, Senator Cruz. I think taking this action is absolutely necessary. Last night, the subcommittee, my subcommittee on crime and terrorism, invited both Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg to come and testify. I think a subpoena from the Judiciary Committee is absolutely appropriate and in order. It is absolutely vital. We believe in a free press in this country. We also believe in free elections and the attempt to rig an election which is what we are seeing here by monopolies is unprecedented in American history. They have a lot to answer for, and I hope that we'll subpoena both Twitter and Facebook. They should both come. They're both engaged in censorship. They're both massive monopolies. They should answer to the Judiciary Committee. They should answer for the, to the full Senate. They should answer to the American people, and that's what this is about, and I look forward to taking this vote. And- interesting, interesting. I don't know. Like I use the word monopolies, too. I think it—, it Definitely hints at the truth, although there are a lot of these companies, right? Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Is it is it safe to call them a monopoly? Is that even correct here? I mean, I get it that they, they have slightly different feature sets, Um, but are, is Facebook and Twitter that different? Or I should say, are Facebook and Twitter that different? Um, I also, I'm reminding myself, I really want to watch this. Uh, I know it's, it's lame that I want to watch a government meeting, but... This House Intelligence Committee hearing titled Misinformation, Conspiracy Theories, and Infodemics Stopping the Spread Online. I might have to make a video where I just pull like the best clips from that. Because that is... That's... Fu- I mean, it, it, it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. So, they, they I, I found their notes on the meeting. They have... All of these people's uh, statements, PDFs, uh, hearing uh, record. I'm hoping there's like a video of this. I'm sure there is. All right, I'll do that on my own time and then get back to you guys with uh, the gems. But very uh, concerning. I. Very concerning. All right. I just want to remind people about this site that I put together. Um, some people were confused by it, so I just kind of want to explain it a little bit more. Uh, this is a site called groupdiscover.com, and it's for people to share videos and find videos. So the way it works is you, you find a good video somewhere, and if you want to share it with people and add it to the, the repository, you come and click new video. And you paste it. You either click share or paste. You don't have to share. You can just add it to your page. But the idea is that people can subscribe to each other, get notified when they put out other videos, keep track of who they're subscribed to and the videos that are coming through on their subscriptions tab. Uh, So it's just an idea. Uh, I think it adds value uh, in a number of different ways. And uh, one thing I'm eyeing is to get other, other communities hooked up with this so they can have their own place to congregate, kind of like a mini library for the whole community. And it all works by linking up to um, videos hosted some somewhere else. So uh, the problem is with hosting YouTube videos or um, linking to YouTube videos, those could be deleted. So it's always best to link to a more censorship-resistant platform like LBRY, Brightian, or, or BitChute. Um, but the idea is that like not everybody creates content, but everyone watches content or most everyone here watches content right so what if we just uh had a little group of people or a big group of researchers would be even better and as we find great videos we share them in a repository that has a smart catalog of what we've what what, what we should watch next and it keeps track of what we've already watched and it stops recommending that and it gives us the best rated stuff based on people who are similar to us and our ratings. So I just want to show it. It does cost a couple uh bucks a month or a few bucks a month. I think it's like four or five. I can't remember. Um, but there's a coupon code that'll bring it down to that four level. Um, y T purge 2020. So no obligation. Don't no worries. No, no need to like explain to me why You can't afford it right now. I, I get it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I assume most people aren't going to join me. That's fine. Uh, But if you want to join me over there, uh, I am going to start posting more and more videos on my channel on there. I post all of my documentaries here on Patreon and on um, Subscribestar, at least the non-YouTube, because I figure everyone's watching on YouTube, so I don't want to bug people with notifications. I only put updates on the non-notification ones. And, uh, or... I only put notifications out for non-Youtube ones, I should say. Uh yeah, I just wanted to explain that a little bit more. So YT purge 2020, all lowercase, gets you 50% off and it supports the supports the channel. So uh here's let's play let's play one more clip. Here's uh Ted Cruz talking about it. Let's let's see what Ted says. And by it, I mean the uh, Section 230 and the censorship.
2: In The last two days, we've seen a remarkable development. We have seen big tech. We've seen Twitter and Facebook actively interfering in this election in a way that has no precedent in the history of our country. Yesterday, the New York Post broke a story alleging serious corruption of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden concerning Ukraine. The allegations in the New York Post story, if true, indicate that Vice President Biden lied when he said he had never discussed his son's business dealings. That story, once the New York Post broke it, was blocked by Twitter and Facebook. Anyone who attempted to share it was prevented from sharing it on Twitter or Facebook. The New York Post itself, when it attempted to put out its story, was blocked on Twitter and Facebook. The New York Post has the fourth largest circulation of any newspaper in this country. Never before have we seen active censorship.
0: Okay, now here's where you lose me. It's like, oh, okay, because now a major outlet is uh, being hurt. So we all have to speak up now. It's like, I... I think um we've seen this before, Ted. I've seen, I think we've seen this a bunch before throughout history. I mean, I've been looking at the the book burnings that have happened and uh, I think it only really just scratches the ter- the surface what I've found so far, but it's just time after time after time after time there's just these huge libraries that have been burnt um, as you know the next leader comes into charge into you know or con- conquers the land or you know comes to power and they just burn all the old stuff. And so we've seen this throughout history over and over and over and over again. And Ted's like, oh, first time we ever seen it. So I, I don't really trust his assessment. And it's like, oh, well now we were victimized, the the Republicans, so let's make sure we have a rule. Let's pass a law that you can't you can't censor Republicans. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting from Ted.
2: Of a major press publication with serious allegations of corruption of one of the two candidates for president. That was last night. This morning, the story escalated and got even worse. The New York Post broke a second story of a series of emails that indicate yet more corruption. In this instance, the Biden family receiving millions of dollars from communist China government officials. Just minutes ago, I tried to share that story on Twitter. And Twitter is actively blocking, right now this instant, stories from the New York Post alleging corruption and the Biden family receiving millions of dollars from communist China. This is election interference, and we are 19 days out from an election. It has no precedent in the history of democracy. The Senate Judiciary Committee wants to know what the hell is going on. Chairman Lindsey Graham and I have discussed this at length, and the committee
0: to see, I, I don't I don't know. I don't a part of me wants to say I don't think it's any coincidence that it's the Republicans who are being censored here. And then they're going to be the ones who say enough is enough to quote the Illuminati playing card with Trump on it um, and, and really put their foot down on the censorship. Um, because it's it's really adding regulation to speech. And I know people don't think that, but it, it kind of is. It's it's limiting speech. And so the, for the Republicans to push it instead of the Democrats, it's like – it's that classic uh, cartoon by Ben Garrison, The March of Tyranny, where you have the, the pyramid of the uh, global central bankers. And, and they have these two legs with big boots on just stepping on people. One leg is mar- marked Republican, one marked Democrat. And the people getting stomped are like, next time I'll vote for the other party. Um, and then the best part's the mainstream media, uh, megaphone that the, uh, the, what's it called? The, uh, corporate banksters are saying left, right, left, right. So I think that that pretty much sums it up. And so now we're having the right foot step on us. But then again, like it also, people look at this, like it's this, they're the saviors, like they're actually coming and fixing things. And I think it probably will make it better initially when they roll out some of this stuff. But later it's gonna make it even even worse because there will be nowhere to run. Right now you can go to BitChute. You can go to LBRY. You're not gonna get censored there. You you might have fewer eyes on you, although at this point, not really, because YouTube is is a brick wall. So um why why don't they just go to float? If they don't like getting censored on Twitter, why don't they go somewhere else? Um Yeah, life's not fair. Life's not fair, unfortunately. And uh, maybe they can make a uh, some sort of a deal or uh, a change so that big co- big companies get audited and can't ban things. But what are what's the government going to be protecting if they get to decide? You know, the moderation policies of big companies is that really going to fix things? The government stepping in and being like, "Well, we think that you shouldn't ban people for this." Like, what what are they going to fill fill in the blank? What are they going to say? You guys went too far. You shouldn't ban people for X, Y, and Z. Like it's going to be like this New York Post article, which is interesting, but it's it's really um, not a huge shock. I mean, what was more interesting was the the way they censored it all, how they how it looked like they had preemptively uh, put in place these hacked material laws or uh, not laws hacked material clauses in the terms of service and such. So I, I just think it's um we have to keep our eye on this and be very precise with what we're saying in terms of section two thirty and what to what what's to be done with that. And uh, again, just to make it very clear, I never push for political candidates over others. You know, I might say in my opinion I like something someone does or even a candidate, um, but that's not to to. Put out anything into you know your guys's minds on it. I, I think everyone should make up their own mind. That said, I do think that we should um point out legislation and moves that politicians do and corruption. and i I like to more focus on holding the powerful people accountable and just let the chips fall where they where they may. I don't even vote. i don't I don't care about influencing the election one way or the other. I'd more. Rather us just, you know, get on the right track in terms of thinking rationally. So that's my goal. All right, but uh, <laughs> the goal is hard to achieve when we have stories like this one. This came out uh, February of this year, which I think, interestingly, was kind of before all of... Yeah, it was definitely before the, the corona hype. This story says, posting anti-vaccine propaganda... On social media. Could become a criminal offense. Law commissioner says. So this is New York law. Lo- or not excuse me. This is uh, the new law commissioner. Penny Lewis. uh Trying to make. Or looking into making. Uh, talking about vaccines. In a way they don't like. A criminal offense. So what is anti-vaccine propaganda. And. Uh, are they really going to start. Making people criminal or calling people criminals for that it's it's concerning especially when we're seeing stories come out where uh apparently youtube is going to start uh deleting things. right here youtube to remove covid vaccine misinformation and they i'm pretty sure they already have been at least removing what they consider misinformation but this this article came out october 14th and um I have been surprised a little bit about how much vaccine stuff they let fly but I think it's really gonna ramp up especially once the the FDA which you know the establishment really wants you to think is the gold standard once the FDA comes out and says it's all good then anyone who goes against what the uh, FDA says will just be deleted in my opinion so that's why i've I've tried to say my piece about vaccines on YouTube do my coverage bring forward uh, What people should should consider in terms of, you know, how can they do long term studies on these things in just a few months? They can't, especially if they don't look into the genetic or mutagenic or carcinogenic or fertility studies or anything like that. Um, And also when it seems like they just overlook any serious illness injuries or anything like that and just call it unrelated to the vaccine. It's like, are you guys even really doing legitimate trials? How can we trust you at all? We, We can't. And uh, the data that you say that you're going to be giving us in full transparency, that's not fully transparent. That's not transparent at all. You're just handing us a data table and we're supposed to look at it as if it's real. How do we know it's real? So it's numbers printed in a grid on a piece of paper or on our computer screen. All right. Last story um, in line with this move to try to make anti-vaccine or vaccine skepticism um a criminal offense in the UK UK is trying to regulate the entire internet i mean i've been yelling about this as much as i can i think this is one of the biggest stories nobody else is talking about this online harms in the UK they're trying to roll this out i'm going to say it one more time uh this is a, a huge issue on the on the horizon and it won't die they're using covid to to rear its ugly head once again and um i'm what Okay, here it is. Um, I'm going to put this in the chat. Make sure you guys share this all over the place. Um, Let's look at their Easy Read 33 pager. And uh, also, I want to see if I can find this, uh, this other thing here. UK Online Harms. All right, I'll work on that while we go through this. So... This is their summary paper about online harms, which they define as behavior online which may hurt a person physically or emotionally. It doesn't actually have to hurt people, but it may. It may hurt them. What does that even mean? Behavior that may hurt somebody emotionally or physically. It could be harmful information that is posted online or information sent to a person. So note that they're... they're really not drawing a difference between information just posted on your social page or a private message to somebody it's still it's still online harm right it says here the government wants the uk to be the safest place in the world to go online the government also wants the uk to be the best place to start and grow a digital business all right i'm going to try to skip over the the pr spin and the oh, this is going to create jobs. Um, notions that they always try to sell things with. There, it says there's a lot of hurtful information online. People in the UK and the rest of the world are worried about online harm. Um, source, can you give me a source on that? And if those people feel okay with you using them to justify ruining the internet, and what right does the UK have to ruin the internet? The, the, <laughs> Uh, The U.S. military brought that into the world. (laughs) All right. I'm trying to find... Okay, yeah, here's what they're kind of pushing now. I was looking for something else, but this kind of makes my point. Uh, This law... I mean, this white paper... Let's see when it came out. This came out summer of last year. Right? Right? and then coronavirus hit. And now they're they're using this as a justification to fast track this law. And they're also like saying, oh well, you should have listened to us. We could have regulated the whole internet if only you guys had given us the the reins. It's like, are you guys crazy? Are you out of your minds? Uh this is BBC News it says coronavirus harmful lies spread easily due to lack of UK law. They're talking about the Online Harms Act, I think, right here. Yeah. Uh, the Digital Culture, Media, and Sport Committee urged the government to publish a draft copy of proposed legislation by the autumn. Follow suggestions. The online harms bill might not be in force until 2024. I hope it's never in force. Jesus Christ, the thing's a huge accident waiting to happen. Uh, it says, the group's chairman said tech firms could not be left to self-regulate. Well, that's what the, uh, the Republicans in the U.S. are saying, too. So you guys are on the same foot there. It says, quote, we still haven't been, excuse me, quote, we still haven't seen correct legislative architecture put in place, and we are still relying on social media companies' consist- or consciences. This is not good enough. Our legislation is not in any way fit for purpose, and we're still waiting what I've seen so far has just been quite a lot of delay. Duty of care. See, I've talked about this before. I first came across this phrase, and maybe I'm just an idiot, um, but I'm seeing it re- re- used more and more. This duty of care, and I, I came across it for the first time with um, punitive psychiatry, pu- political of psychiatry, say, in Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, US, UK, all over the place. Where they they call people crazy or schizophrenics or uh, bipolar or whatever and they say uh, it'd be, it'd be if we didn't treat you or put you in the asylum, we'd be uh, neglecting our duty of care and we're actually criminals because we have a duty of care. so it's it's like a threat to to somebody if they don't go along with like, oh you're a big harm to our society. You know, they have these talking points that the cult pushes. They say, oh, well, that, that type of thinking is, is harmful. That You can't say you're anti-vaccines. That's, that's harmful information. Uh, and then they say people that have a, a legal obligation uh, to stop it and to do, you know, whatever they have to do, depending on what their occupation is, uh, to stop it. And th- they call that obligation a duty of care. So it's just more Orwellian talk, a duty of care. So, I mean, in uh, Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury had the great idea to make it the firefighters, right, that go around dousing the books with kerosene and lighting them. Um, I mean, Orwell couldn't even hold a—or not—Bradbury, uh, I think, would probably uh, be impressed with—well, actually, this term has been around for a while, but it's it's a term of art is my point. Um, this Orwellian phrasing here, doublespeak, duty of care— to to uh burn the books. You have a duty of care to to tape over people's mouths. You have a duty of care to lock people into mental asylums who are perfectly intelligent and um expressive. You just don't like what they're saying. So I kind of just wanted to do a deep dive and go through all of that. Um I, I think we're at a, a crossroads here to quote Jane Fonda. I wouldn't quite call. Covid a gift to the left like or god's gift to the left like she did i think it's a i think it's a gift to the ruling powers it's a huge wealth transfer a huge knowledge transfer huge um i don't even know a good way to put it like i kind of like how the u.s army calls it the information environment information environment and then they they have information operations or which are like psyops um So information environment and it's rigged and there's all these policy lines which segment off huge populations from various parts of the information environment. So this, um, this window of acceptable, uh, discourse just gets smaller and smaller, actually not smaller, just it moves in their direction, right? They're like, Hey, uh, you like hey kid you like uh, democratic socialism? <laughs> uh it's it's sad. They are they're huge mind control machines. They can um they have the potential if they're not already doing it they they had the potential and they very well could move in this direction to make their algorithms in such a way that it it brainwashes people like by design, like as optimally as possible. Like imagine one day if if YouTube just uh, rolled out an update and it was that their computers were setting out to convince everybody of exactly what they want you to think and they they would crunch the numbers they would find okay what drives people in the desired direction what desire what drives people in the undesired direction what are the differences in all these people it looks for latent variables latent meaning hidden so you have all these hidden patterns in the, the data that tell you, okay, let show this person, those videos show that person, those videos. And, um, it's, it really scares me. Like, I think anyone who appreciates data and appreciates patterns, um, and knows that power corrupts should be terrified by, by the power of something like YouTube. Um, I'm pretty, let me check what the current numbers are. Uh, I'm pretty sure Google's the number 1 site followed by YouTube followed by um Facebook. But let's look at just the top websites by traffic for for let's just look at the USA. Oh wow, number 1 now is YouTube. Number 2 is Wikipedia. Keep that in mind. Think about how how um like I was using, I, I said this the other day, I actually liked uh, the point that was made. There's this guy who found the search engine manipulation effect. Uh, I think his name is David Epstein, no relation. And uh, he's a scientist who tried to, with experiment, prove that there's a very substantial effect to the psyche, the people's understanding of what they're searching for when people are looking for information on a search engine based on uh, the ranking of the results. And which ones were placed first and second and third and such. Um, But there's not just a search engine manipulation effect. There's a dictionary manipulation effect. There's an encyclopedia manipulation effect. And I think there's a huge encyclopedia manipulation effect when it comes to Wikipedia. Um, So basically what I'm saying is people have come to trust the information on Wikipedia. They can find all this really useful information when they're looking for answers about how the world works but they they develop a trust and a dependency on the content of these articles and it it's just another information environment that skilled people uh that do information operations uh can go post stuff they can manipulate that uh who knows i mean i think we kind of get the the idea of who who's in charge of wikipedia moderation and uh what type of stuff they they let on there and what kind of stuff they don't let on, on on there it seems like they have an agenda it's not just of the people for the people it could never be if you think about it i mean it's kind of a it's kind of amazing that it's gotten to where it is uh but it, you can never have a completely um agreed to consensus about everything it, it's it's interesting that they try we need more things like wikipedia run by different groups i think that's what we need like I want to see a Twitter for the right wing or whatever you know the other side, whatever you want to call it. I don't really like left and right, but I want to see sites that ban people like on on the other side of the aisle if they want. Uh, maybe some sites just want to be completely free speech. That would be great. I would I would love that too. But um, I just think like let's just let's just make it free and open. All right, but uh, what's my point? YouTube's number one, Wikipedia's number two, Twitter's number three, Facebook's number four. So what if you? What if YouTube one day just turns around and says, all right, flick the switch, we're going into just total brainwash mode. Like back in the day, they were in, let's grow our market share by providing a, a, a service that people want to keep watching and they become addicted to, right? That was a major thing in the early days is like, they didn't come... <laughs> It's like John Lennon said, he didn't like uh the Beatles didn't become the number one band by accident. They had to work hard. Like YouTube didn't become the number one site by accident. Like their algorithm and the number of computers and their their um their investment that they made uh allowed them to create an addiction to their platform. And it's really uh it's all user-generated content, but they're they're the the glue that in the frame that that serves it up and helps people keep track of it all. And people just kept coming back for YouTube. There were years when I was, I mean, I still kind of am, although there's no good content on it. There were years when I was like pretty addicted to YouTube. Um, and I look at it just cause it was valuable. And I, it's more than I wanted the value of the knowledge that I was finding on YouTube. So is that addiction or is that just, you know, somebody looking for, for answers? I don't know, but just imagine though, if YouTube if they haven't already done this, because it would be very deceptive, uh, but if they just decided, okay, we're, we're going to try to brainwash everyone into l- making them believe these 1,000 things, you know, they describe like exactly what they want everyone to believe, and, uh, and then the computers just, you know, do their machine learning, and uh, maybe YouTube spins up a few extra million computers or something. It's possible now with all these different, uh, they have so many computers because they, they're they in the business of selling them too. But what's my point? They they could really screw over everybody's mind pretty much. It's the number one site in the world. Monthly traffic, 1.6 billion. And, and, and here's the thing, people wouldn't be able to guard themselves from it. People would, would not be able to recognize what was happening to them. And this is already happening to some degree, but it's it's kind of like playing a game of chess against a great chess playing computer. You're gonna lose and you're you're not even gonna see what happened. You're not even gonna understand like what it did to you, other than like seeing it happen. Um they're gonna conquer people's minds like they conquer the chess boards with those computer playing uh the chess playing computers. But I, I don't think they're they're kicking it into full overdrive yet. But it's amazing when you think about it, just like the the power of such a system, when you have people just pouring videos in there all the time, and these are just like little ammunition things that they can use on people's psyches by uh, recommending them to people. So I know people probably think I'm crazy, barking up the wrong tree. People are probably more interested in like the flashy stuff, like the 5G towers and stuff, but no, I think YouTube—keep your eyes on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter— and their algorithms because computers, if they're, if they're trying to achieve an objection and an objective, um, of brainwashing us, we're not even going to, we're not even going to really notice because the suggestions are going to be so good. They're not going to suggest like Stephen Colbert or something to you. If you hate Stephen Colbert, they're going to suggest a video from someone you like that you're going to want to click on. that's going to change your mind in their desired direction. You know, those are the types of videos the computers are going to find. They have so many to choose from that they're going to be able to just uh, find the perfect one, the perfect one to show you next, and then the perfect one after that, and the perfect one after that. And uh, guard your mind from it. And uh, that's actually why I put together this site, Group Discover, just a fair algorithm. I don't want. I don't. I don't like uh, machine learning being weaponized because it's it's a very scary thought to me. So, uh, let me know what everyone thinks in the comments down below. Let me give a, a shout out to people: uh, French, Wee oui Wee, oui, thanks for stopping by. E. Chad, Chappy, Mason, Tricks, Claire, thank you everybody for stopping by. You all rock. Really appreciate each and every one of you. It's awesome to have um an, an outlet where I can come and present, you know, the stories as they pile up in my mind, and then I can move on. <laughs> Although, can we ever really move on from this nightmare? I, I don't know. Uh, amazing drop. Thanks for stopping by. Kevin, appreciate you. My hometown. Timbuktu. Thanks to everyone for being here. And say hey if you, um, if I haven't shouted you out yet. Uh, David, appreciate you stopping by. Beyond Awake, always awesome to see you. Uh, Charlotte, thanks for being here. Marcus, awesome to see you. Sally Sue, appreciate you. And uh, really, yeah. Thank you, everyone, so much for for tuning in. Uh, in the future, I'm going to be doing more on other channels, and it's it's kind of weird. I, I like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm addicted to YouTube, and um, that's where a lot of people are. And I guess maybe that's why people uh, gravitate towards it. But I need to stop thinking about YouTube only. And coming up with, I need to come up with other things. Not hold any punches. Although I don't really... I don't really uh, hold back any punches. And uh, YouTube doesn't really... Hasn't really... Well, it demonetized me. But for the most part, I look at their rules and it's like, oh, I can kind of play by those rules. But their policy line is always changing. And uh, it's not that I really want to go yell all these things that they say I'm not allowed to say. Like, I'm not going to go to BitChute and just go like... Turn it into a QAnon channel because they they banned it. But... Uh, I, I just see this policy line sneaking up on me and eventually it's gonna get me so it's all right we'll just roll with the punches and uh but i do want to make more videos on other platforms not just uh well i, I for, for one to help out those platforms and to help people in general uh kind of free ourselves from what i what could be what i just described this grand chess master computer conquering our minds like a game of chess like I um I don't know if you guys have played like a game of chess against one of these great computers, but it's gonna kick kick our uh kick our butts every time and it's so counterintuitive the patterns it finds to humans. Um so something to think about when people go to these sites over and over and over again. Every time they load up the YouTube page, there's probably like what, fifteen recommended videos that the person looks through. Every single one of those is an opportunity for the the chess playing computer to make a move. Oh, well, let's show them this video. Let's show her that video. Let's you know. It's hard to even contemplate, let alone explain. But um, I urge you to think about it, and uh, I'm going to do my best to put it put it into a little bit more um, organized fashion. I'm still trying to kick these thoughts thoughts around and really get to the bottom of in in uh, in you know some intuition that I have in this regard. I've I've worked with computers all my life, I grew up with them. And uh I know this to be true that they, they can if they're if they're programmed right, they can do all sorts of crazy stuff. And what do these people want to do? They want to control us. They want to control our minds, they want to control our behavior. What tools do they have? They have a bunch of computers and these websites everyone uses. So I don't I don't think I'm stretching. Uh I'm just not explaining <laughs> as well as I could. So that's my my challenge, and I really want to appreciate everybody. I really want to thank everyone for being here, and I appreciate you all so much. And uh, keep on fighting, and definitely make sure to check out all these uh, deleted people on the different platforms. Like I said earlier, it's just really a matter of us finding the right people to follow on LBR, LBRY.tv and on uh, BitChute, things like that, and uh, Float, for instance, and we can uh, really circumnavigate these rigged algorithms. So have a great day everyone. I really appreciate you all. And I hope you all um I wish you all the best of luck. Have a great day.